FaithWire.com. As American politicians scoff at fears of gun confiscation, Canada proves that fear may be real. Today is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. I'm Dan Andros, and we'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's FaithWire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and we'd love to have you with us as we go through the news of the day with a Christian perspective. With me, as always, Trey Goins, Phillips, Billy Hallowell. Uh, from CBN's Faith Wire with a quick look at what's coming up on the podcast today. Guys, happy Tuesday. Hope you had a great holiday. How's it going? Well, you know, it's coming up the weekend. It's already Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. It was yeah. a fun weekend. So yeah. You were um, at, right. at the K-Love Fan Awards, so yeah, we're looking forward to your interviews from there. Yeah, um, it, so. was a, it was an exciting weekend. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have story, plenty of stories coming on that uh, in the next week or so, next several days. Um, today, though, I'm going to be talking about a detective in West Virginia, Charleston, uh, who's praising a good person with a gun after she shot a bad guy with a gun who was firing into a graduation party. Mm. Oh, wow. We're, well, we're also going to be talking about a really kind of interesting story. We've covered it a number of times here, but a new development in the situation in Nigeria after that poor Christian woman was stoned to death. Um, Some reactions to the Biden administration's reactions to that. Hmm, Yeah. I mean, a lot of interest in that story as well. And I mean, it's just unbelievable to think about stonings still happening today here uh, in in this day and age that that is actually a thing. It's insane. (laughs) I know. It boggles the mind. So, all right. We'll uh, be on standby for those stories, but we're going to start here. Obviously, the big debate still swirling after the tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, over what to do about guns. And a lot of the debate here in America has been like, we just need to have some some gun reform, some common sense gun reform, uh, which obviously people are not able to agree on. One side says there are these solutions that we can do that will help stop these shootings. The other side's more concerned and saying, hey, um, we've got this thing called the second amendment and our freedoms are important to us. And so you have that battle going back and forth. And then also the slippery slope argument that many put out there saying like, Hey, um, if you put in, you know, X, Y, Z restrictions, then another shooting happens. Well, then what do you, what's going to happen? Another restriction. It's a slippery slope. Eventually they're just going to say, we can't have these guns anymore. And you'll hear the response. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's just fear mongering. Of course. No, we all love the second amendment as well. We just think there should be some restrictions. And so this is the debate that goes back and forth. And, uh, then over the weekend, Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau, uh, announced a, quite an interesting move here on guns in his country. When he said that his government's introducing legislation to, quote, implement a national freeze on handgun ownership throughout the country. So they're not even in on what the so-called, quote unquote, assault weapons ban. This is on handguns. And so here's what uh, Trudeau had to say about the move. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. And so, of course, that was met with applause. Capping the market for handguns. 
And the Minister of Public Safety also said that there's a mandatory buyback program for, quote, assault-style weapons, end quote, that's going to go into effect later this year if the bill that they're putting forward passes. And again, it's a little bit of an oxymoron calling it a mandatory buyback. I'm like, oh, everyone's bringing in their guns, but if you're making it mandatory, that is essentially a gun confiscation. They're just giving you a few bucks for it. Um, and they're going to be targeting AR-15s and other similar guns as that. Now, all this goes on as President Biden received some criticism uh, over the weekend for talking about high-caliber weapons uh, uh, that they ought to be banned, such as 9mm handguns. And he said, they said a 22 uh, caliber bullet will lodge in the lung and we can probably get it out, may be able to get it and save a life. A nine meter uh, millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. And so here, here's, uh, here's a bit of what uh, Biden uh, said. A nine millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. So the idea of these high caliber weapons is that there's simply no rational basis for it in terms of about self-protection, hunting, I guess. Sorry about that. I forgot to warn everyone that there is a helicopter in the background there with the engine sort of humming and uh, quite annoying sound there. But basically, he's he's talking about the nine millimeter gun. And that's obviously uh, people are raising their eyebrows there because it's one of the most popular. It's popular handgun caliber in the United States. Well over half the handguns produced in, in 19, uh, 2019 had this size round in it so people are saying wait a minute here what are you what are you talking about you want to do you want to actually ban handguns that's what we've been warning about that's what we've been afraid about but then of course the his administration talked about saying oh he just misspoke etc cetera, etc cetera, and tried to walk back uh, those statements as well uh the president did later rule out the possibility of issuing an executive order on guns he said quote i can't dictate this stuff end quote um so that is about where we stand here on guns, guys. Why does it matter? Well, obviously, this is just an issue that is unique to America in a sense because while we're not the only country with guns, we are pretty much the only country with a Second Amendment. And with people who have a history of owning guns and in this country, and so there are just so many guns in this country, and you can't just turn it off. It's not like a lot of other countries. So it's it's a it's a unique thing that exists here in America and to see Canada do that and the things they're saying has a lot of people worried because if America's politicians try to do the same thing you heard the language that Trudeau said talking about you can't even transfer it so that means you can't pass that gun down to a family member or uh, whatever the case may be so um so a lot of restrictions happening there maybe some of the fears being realized that that you know, Canada's paving the way for something that could happen here in America. A time will tell. And um, the debate continues, obviously, because as we've talked about guys on this podcast, nobody wants to see people getting shot, but but um, especially kids. It's horrible. It's a tragedy. Um, but will these things that, that politicians are proposing do anything to help the problem or Will they just take freedoms away from law-abiding citizens? That's the debate, and I don't know if we're going to find an answer to that uh, anytime soon. But from a Christian perspective, again, as we've talked about, you know, whatever you your feelings are on guns and how how we should regulate them or not regulate them, 
I, I think the real issue, as we've talked about, guys, is the heart and sin. And what is it that's driving people to want to commit this act of violence? You know, like the, the, the guns to me is a secondary problem. It's just the vehicle that's being used to execute um, uh, the violence uh, that's in somebody's heart. It's in somebody's desire to want to do. So how do you stop that? How do you kind of heal that um, problem first and foremost seems to be like it, it should be the bigger issue. The other one secondary, obviously not in, not that it doesn't matter, but it's just, it's, it's a symptom, not the, the problem. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, the core issue is what's in somebody's heart. What's in a 18 year old's heart that makes him want to go out and spend $2,000 yeah. on, you know, firearm and, and go and do this. Right. You know, you have to solve that. You know, I also think, you know, we have to be humble. And I do think that both sides of the political aisle lack humility. They're both unwilling to come to the one side is we're going to ban all these things and we have to do this. And we know all these things are going to work when they don't really know that that's the case. And the other side isn't really willing to come to the table at all on any of it because it's all an infringement of our rights. So it's like if we don't come with humility and that doesn't mean we're going to change our perspective right on it, but we're actually violating our faith if we don't come to the table with the humility to at least have the conversation. And I think we have to not let the politics, you know, make us so that we're unable to, to communicate on it again, mm -hmm. don't have to bend what you believe, but we can't put the constitution before our faith. We can't put anything before our faith. And that doesn't mean you're going to agree that these things should be banned. Yeah. So it's, it's super complicated. No, it's a good point. I mean, because I think I, I don't think, cause there, there are restrictions on guns across the country, for different things. There are, there are background checks. There are different rules. You can't conceal care. Like, so there are various rules. So I don't think people are opposed to rules. I think the challenge is how do we, how do we find a common ground where we can see, oh, this works, X, Y, and Z thing works, and so therefore we should do it? Um, I think you'd get a lot of agreement. I think with the bump stock thing, I think I think we saw some bipartisan agreement with that. Um, after a, sh a shooting, I forget which one. There, there's so many of them now. Sadly, um, I, I think that was that was, that was something Vegas. Trump. Yeah, that was something Trump put in. Um, I, I believe. And so, yeah, I mean, I think I think you can find common ground. I think it's possible, but you're right. I mean, I think people have to, you know, and I, and I think there's just so much distrust on both sides of the aisle now with one another that it's hard for people to put down and let their guard down without feeling like they're going to be taken advantage of. But, you know, somebody has to do it first. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see if anyone's able to do so. And you have to do your own research too, right? You know, to, to be aware of what laws do currently exist and and what restrictions are in place now because you have one side that kind of wants to suggest that we live in the old west the mm -hmm. wild west and that there are no laws whatsoever at all um uh, but there are some restrictions and people should be aware of that uh, because unfortunately there are politicians who will manipulate our ignorance mm -hmm. um on that stuff and then also there are politicians who uh, will use the emotion, the rightfully placed and felt emotion of the moment. Uh, they'll use that to their advantage to push things and to push these broad sweeping bills that then when you look back in retrospect, it's like, I don't, that, that, that wouldn't do anything. And it, it doesn't necessarily uh, do anything. So I think any sort of laws that we put in place, and I'm far from an expert on any of the, the are very fine tuned and very specific um, because otherwise what you end up doing is is restricting the rights of people who uh, 
are law-abiding gun owners and would never uh, do anything heinous or evil like we've seen unfold in Uvalde. So uh, I think we do have to approach it with humility, uh, like you were saying, Billy, but we also have to approach it uh, from a place of of knowledge and being educated and try to be level-headed when we have these conversations, um, because it is easy to kind of uh, let let it be a runaway train uh, when our emotions are so heightened, um, you know, because of, of what we've all just witnessed happen in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. And so, of course, as we always often encourage, um, you know, in general, Christians, you know, be let's be praying um, for yeah. just this issue as a whole, as a country. How do we deal with it? Um, how do we, you know, how do we go forward? How do we spread the gospel you know, which of course we all believe is the ultimate solution to this problem is more people following Christ, more people loving one another, the less you're going to have of this stuff. So uh, that is our ultimate aim. And so we'll definitely be praying for that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Story number two. So a woman attending a graduation party in Charleston, West Virginia, is being credited with saving lives after she shot an attacker who opened fire toward a crowd of guests gathered Wednesday. So this is from Tony Hazlitt, the chief of detectives in Charleston. He said, instead of running from the threat, she engaged with the threat and saved several lives last night. Uh, So detectives believe the 37-year-old assailant, Dennis Butler, drove around an apartment complex in Charleston earlier in the day Wednesday and was told at the time by residents to slow down because he was actually driving erratically and there were children playing outside. And when the unnamed woman, the hero really, uh, saw Butler ultimately circle back through the apartment complex, pull a rifle, and begin shooting into a crowd of dozens of people. She drew her own pistol uh, and fatally shot the attacker. Uh, So after the heroic woman killed the gunman, she waited alongside survivors and witnesses, uh, all of whom were there, you know, waited for police to arrive and they spoke with them. Uh, They all cooperated with the police, including the woman who took out the assailant uh, and Hazlitt, the chief of detectives. uh, He said that she will not face any charges, but is being lauded uh, by the police department and by the community for her her fast acting bravery, uh, which comes like we were just talking about after the the shooting, the horrific shooting at Rob Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, where you know 19 kids, like we said, lost their lives and, and two teachers as well. Uh, so it, all of this comes in this new story uh, out of uh, West Virginia comes like we were just saying after you know several people in in office a lot of democrats are saying we need a a lot of strict can control laws and conservatives obviously taking the other stance Uh, so i think this these kinds of stories just highlight the fact that this is super complex like we were just saying this isn't something that we just know uh, here's the one size fits all answer Uh, because if we put you know certain restrictions in place this woman obviously wouldn't have been legally able to to carry the handgun uh, that took out this uh, this gunman, this attacker, before police were able to arrive on the scene. Um, so I, I think it's important to keep these stories in our in our minds when we talk about what kinds of restrictions and and, and things we want to put in place, uh, because too many restrictions, like I said, would restrict uh, the good guy with the gun from taking out the bad guy uh, with the gun. Uh, so I, you know, I think that 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 is uh, why. These things are just so hard. It's hard for for me to understand it as somebody who's not an expert. And I know people who even are 
very educated on this, it's it's really difficult for them to come uh, to come to a good place on this stuff. Uh, Jonathan Turley, he's a, a law professor at George Washington University. Uh, he was on Fox News speaking about uh, that clip, Dan, that you played uh, yeah. of President Biden, uh, and he was saying that that spreading what he called disinformation. Uh, about uh, about guns uh, and and putting our emotion into the conversation instead of just approaching it with the facts actually makes it much more difficult for either side, conservatives or progressives, to come together on things that they might actually be able to come together on. Uh, but because our comments are so emotive, uh, it muddies the water and it makes it really, really difficult uh, to have uh, conversations about gun control, about the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, he said that the president clearly repeated uh, false statements that have been proven false about the Second Amendment. Uh, one of the comments he made was about uh, people couldn't buy cannons and couldn't buy all kinds of, uh, of, of other kinds of firearms. Uh, back when the First Amendment was first uh, put in place. And Turley said, many of us have repeatedly said that his statement that you could not own a cannon or other weapons when the Second Amendment was ratified is untrue. Even the Washington Post admitted it's, admitted it's untrue. And yet the president keeps on repeating that as a defense for his call for gun control. He's undermining his own case by repeating what is ironically disinformation. Um, so, look, I think I just want to repeat what I said a, a few minutes ago uh, about approaching these things, well, to what you said, Billy, approaching these things with humility, but then approaching them uh, from a, an informed uh, position, uh, because there's there are a lot of moving parts to this, to these stories. Uh, I think we need to be aware of all of that whenever we have these conversations, and Democrats are, are set to meet in the House uh, Thursday uh, to present new legislation on, on gun control. So we'll see what's coming, um, but I don't think this debate is is going to slow down anytime soon. But it's important to highlight these hero stories about this woman yeah. in West Virginia because ultimately, more than the gun control debate, the 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 main takeaway is believers is praise God that she was there and no one lost their lives mm. uh, in this situation because she was there and willing to act bravely. Uh, that's that's a miracle that God put her in that place at the right time, uh, in the right position, uh, and with the the know how and the knowledge. Uh, to take out uh, that attacker before he was able to to fatally shoot anyone. Mm. Yeah, and um, I mean, there's just so many. It, it's 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 tough because there's so many ways to look at these things, and um, I don't know. I mean, you can talk about the impacts that happen when with these countries that they tout like Australia, et cetera, that don't have guns, but they have other crime rates like rape and things of that nature that are much higher because in part people don't they have less of a way to defend themselves particularly women um, who are often physically uh, just unable un un to defend themselves physically against you know a lot of men right not always the case but it happens to be the case a lot of times so um you know it's it's uh, it's a tough issue as we as we were just talking about in the last story as well but you know I'm glad that that this particular one worked out and, and didn't end um, the way it could have ended. Yeah. I mean, the best thing, the best thing that could happen in this case, and this is like me living in utopia is that the Republicans and the Democrats get in a room and they look at all of the analysis. They look at all the studies. They look at the research that's out there and they come up with a measured response to this because I'm not convinced that either side and you know, I may be in the anomaly here. I don't know, but I'm not convinced that either side is really fully looking at this issue fairly. Right. So how do you do it? And you might walk away with 
there's nothing we can do. Nothing would change these things. Or you might walk away saying, you know what, there's a couple of things that aren't that painful, that don't restrict rights that we can do, but we can't know that until sane adults get into a room together and have a normal conversation. And I think that's too much to ask at the times that we're living in. Yeah, but you have an example here of a woman who used a gun, like 99%, 99.9% of gun owners do responsibly yeah. and in the right way and save people's lives. And so that's a really important piece of, of this puzzle. It really is not disarming people who should have the right. If she wasn't there to do that, what would have happened? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So, um, you know, again, this this issue... Uh, not going away anytime soon, but we'll keep talking about it. We'll keep covering all the uh, all the latest. So on to story three. All right. Story number three. We've covered this tragic story uh, quite a bit now. Deborah Emanuel Yakubu. She was a 25-year-old college student in Nigeria. She was stoned and then burned to death on May 12th. This was a story that really shocked people around the world. Um, you know, we hear things coming out of Africa, different countries there. We hear things about northern Nigeria, but I don't think a story like this has broken through to this level in quite some time when, when we talk about an individual's life. Um, now, there's a persecution watchdog we've often covered here on the show. It's Open Doors USA. I sat down last week and spoke with David Curry. He is the CEO of Open Doors. And he talked about, just as some others have, the importance of understanding what is going on here in the U.S. when it comes to designating what we call um, countries of particular concern. These are countries where they have a high frequency of persecution. And our government, our U.S. State Department, what we do is we have them on a list. We designate those countries as nations of concern. Last year, the Biden administration decided to remove Nigeria. This this is the country, again, where this poor woman was stoned to death from the list of countries of particular concern. And David Curry is very concerned about that. He said that by removing the designation, which again pinpoints those nations where there are severe religious freedom violations, it could actually cause more calamity, more persecution, that more people could end up dying as a result of this, more Christians there. Um, and he said there was really no apparent reason given. It seems, quote, purely political that the Biden administration did this. And that unfortunately, you're going to see again, a lot more calamity come as a result of this. Uh, and the real issue for him is that, you know, Nigeria was on this list for a year. Okay. Then they were removed from the list and Nigeria, the government there, they did nothing to actually resolve the problem. The problem in fact has gotten worse. And so he, he said, look, we find this very curious that they would be removed. We find this very bizarre because normally a country works towards, they realize they're on this list. They take steps to remedy it. And in this case, it's gotten worse. And Deborah's story is the most recent um, that we've seen here. He said by having that label, right, it pressures the governments to either curb extremism that's going on within Nigeria, which that seems to be the issue here. In the north, there are about 12 states they are being held by these radical Islamic groups. And it's not the government per se that is inflicting the persecution. It's these groups that have taken over. But the government since 2012 of Nigeria has really been looking the other way. They've been ignoring this. And so it's a really strange um, dynamic. You have groups like Boko Haram, which we've covered here at, at CBN and Faithwire. Um, and, and this entire northern portion, as we've talked about on the show here, 
it is run under and operated under Sharia law. And so that is where Deborah was when this incident unfolded. And David Curry and others are calling on the U.S. to return Nigeria to that list of countries of particular concern. You might recall we also had Joel Veldkamp, who was the head of international communications at Christian Solidarity International. That's another persecution watchdog. He, too, has been calling for the same, to return Nigeria to this list and really asking for answers. The same for David Curry. Um, he, He mentioned this is purely political. It's very strange that the Biden administration did not give a reason for the removal last year. And here we are now talking about Deborah's stories there. Said that said that is not the U.S. any. There's also said this uh, very obvious occasions they have when you measure as men on the people in Nigeria's numbers murder in the world and base measures men wait mission to wide nation. Yeah, be Nancy's like Minister Johnson and Hens like um it, it it makes you wonder why what is the what is the reason for that why would they be removed from this I mean unfortunately I don't think you're gonna see a lot of push for answers but um you know you'll see. You kind of get to see what is in the heart of an administration or what their priorities are, at least. I mean, I'm sure they care about persecution like this, but um, when when you have priorities and a list of things that are on your agenda and what you want to get done, this one feels like it's low in the pecking order. So, um, and especially to me, like I said at the top of the show, I'm still just, my mind is blown that this sort of stuff still goes on, that that any that human beings could sit around and, and watch as someone's getting stoned, you know, it's just regardless of what the reason is, it's just so barbaric and, um, you know, medieval and whatever else you want to call it. It's uh, sad and tragic that our brothers and sisters in Christ in particular are dealing with this sort of persecution um, at different parts of the globe. And uh, of course, our prayers are with them and, you know, hopefully action as well soon. Well, it just, you know, it shows how depraved humanity is apart from yeah. the Holy Spirit and apart from God. That It's hard to fathom that anybody would be capable of this, uh, of, of this kind of stuff, or that anybody would be capable of, of shooting children at, a, at an elementary school mm. in a fourth grade classroom um, in Texas. So all of it is just unfathomable, but it's, it's the consequence of a, of a soul separated from, from its creator, right? So, um, it just is a, these stories are a, a poignant reminder of our need, um, for redemption and for salvation, uh, from Jesus and for the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Cause, uh, you know, we're all capable of, of such evil when we're separated from, um, from God. But yeah, I, as far as the, the Biden administration, it's, it's interesting to see the, the position that they've taken with this and the direction that they've, they've gone with this. Like you were saying about the, uh, the gun debate, Billy, as Christians, our priority is, um, is our faith first. And then we, the other, you know, the other stuff files in under that priority wise. And I think as a, a nation, you would hope that our, our priority is the protection of human life and the politics and everything else comes after that. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes we mix up our priorities or a lot of times we mix up our priorities and put politics first and uh, all kinds of other things ahead of the protection of innocent life. And I know that diplomatically, there's there are a whole lot of moving pieces here. So it's a, it's a lot more complex than, uh, than we sometimes want to admit. But um you know, to see this unfolding uh, and to not give it a high priority, uh, at least diplomatically in the way that we speak and our condemnations and all of that uh, is is troubling. So we can we can hope and pray as believers uh, for some action from our administration, our, yeah. our government uh, in the days ahead, because this is just such such a vile thing to see unfolding, particularly like you yeah. said, Dan, uh, toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah.
Indeed, indeed. And uh, as we uh, ra- look to wrap the podcast here today, guys, before we go, I've just got to I've got to take a little quick uh, internal poll here on the podcast. Who who has seen Top Gun yet? Who hasn't? I have not seen it, but I'm going to. You're going to. Okay. Yes. I'm look I've seen the first one and I'm ready for the I'm looking forward to all my friends who have seen it have said only good things. Yeah. Billy's ready to Billy's ready no to comment. throw throw a can at me right now or something. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. no, but I I am I am looking forward to it. I am uh you know going to see it this week hopefully at some point. Um but well, you know, I'm good well, a good I, military movie is is good all the time in my book. Yeah, and and uh, and and from what I'm hearing, it's it's unashamedly you know pro-American, and you just you're yeah. you're not getting that right now in a lot of Hollywood. You're not getting not that I need rah rah America, but like it would be nice to it's see nice somebody to see. who doesn't hate the country. You know, I mean, yeah, call me crazy, call me wacky, but crazy uh, and wacky. Okay, all right, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. All right. That is all the time we have for today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you get it in your feed. Don't have to get it from an algorithm. All that good stuff. Leave a comment, yada, yada, all the, and the rating, whatever, whatever all the things you're supposed to do are if you you enjoy this podcast, as we assume you do. You made it this far. So we get you through the week every week, as always, as promised. So head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. God bless. We'll see you back here tomorrow.